This is Growth Masters. The show for CEOs, CMOs, and anyone wanting to keep up with what's new in the world of business, marketing, and tech. You're in conversation with Robert Tadros. Hello and welcome to Growth Masters. I'm your host, Robert Tadros. Joining me on the show today is Vadim Rogoveski, who is the CEO and co-founder of 3D Look, which is the world's leading patented mobile body scanning tech that drives retail innovation. Prior to launching 3D Look, Vadim founded ClickBurner, which was later renamed Clicky and partially acquired by a private equity fund. And if that wasn't enough, Vadim also founded AdCenter, which was acquired by Virtue Media. A serial tech entrepreneur who launched his first company at the age of 18 and then ran a web design studio and a gaming company before turning his focus to mobile ad tech. Vadim is also an angel investor and a partner at pre-seed fund Wannabiz, which has made 12 investments to date in the tech startups. He's also an advisor to early stage companies and a mentor to teams at 500 startups and a Forbes 30 under 30 alumni. Vadim, welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to Growth Masters, my friend. How is everything over there in the Ukraine? Um, uh, Robert, thanks for having me here. Uh, well, it's it's great. A very comfortable place to stay during these times. Are you on lockdown or are you guys a bit more civilized over there? No, no, it's, uh, I mean, here it wasn't like, a, we didn't have almost any like real lockdown. And uh, I mean, uh, so that's why I'm saying that it's, it's a comfortable place. So it's almost, you just don't feel that it's like uh, still the, the pandemic is happening here. Yeah. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, look, I'm keen to get straight into it, right? Because I love your story, man. Like you've had, you know, you've started three tech companies. Am I right to say you've sold two and now you're on to your third one that I'm assuming you're probably going to build and sell one day, right? Likely, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and you're a serial tech entrepreneur. So you've st- you started off, actually, let's talk about your journey, right? So you, your first one, and correct me if I'm wrong, was AdCenter. Yeah, I mean, before I attended, I had many small, uh, uh, small projects starting from it, it, like it, it was web studio, e-commerce store, gaming studio, etc. Just small adventures that, that I was doing just uh, to find the industry that uh, I got excited about. And then I found actually like ad tech, so online advertising industry. And, uh, uh, and I spent like roughly seven years there building Two companies before I switched to 3D Look. So let's let's focus a little bit about 3, 3D Look, right? Because you've been there for, for five or so years. So tell me a little bit more about, I mean, I understand it's, a, it's an AI-first technology, right? So talk to me a little bit more about the actual product itself. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. So we started the company five years ago with my co-founder, Alex, uh, with an with a mission that we we want to enable everyone who, who, who has a smartphone with a camera to be able just to easily scan their their bodies with just two two uh, two photos and, and then to use this kind of body profile or or we call it digital passport in order to buy anything that requires personalization based on the consumer's body so think about apparel think about customized furniture think about customized mattresses think about even using this data in a fitness app to track your progress or sharing this data with your doctor remotely or even using your 3D avatar in a game. So we started with this mission. And then after customer development, uh, 
uh, we understood that there is a serious problem in fashion e-commerce, which is returns. So people return roughly 40% of apparel that they buy. Sometimes even more, it's like several hundred billion dollars problem already only in the US. And we decided that we'll go after this industry and, uh, and help it to solve this, this problem with the help of our uh, unique mobile body scanning uh, technology. So at the moment, we, we have more than, 100, more than 100 business clients because we are a B2B company. And um, we, we actually have clients in two market segments. It's fashion e-commerce, and we help consumers there to find the right size, which is uploading two photos. And we help fashion brands and retailers to understand how their consumers actually look so they can provide them with the most personalized recommendations and also in the end of the day to produce apparel that fits them. And also we serve uniform manufacturing industry like our workwear, et cetera. For example, among our clients, we have the biggest manufacturers of uniforms for military, for policemen, for firefighters in the US and also of even body armor. Okay, so hold on, let me, correct me if I'm wrong here. So as a consumer, I can take, you mentioned two photos or a couple of photos yes. of myself. Yep. Then I upload that to the website, to the, to the retailer's, retailer's website. Yep. And automatically that will serve me my, pretty much the right size for the right garment that I'm looking for. Yes, correct. And then you don't need to do it again. You just browse uh, any product, uh, any items you you. Uh, you want and, and just uh, you you automatically get the, uh, the right size for you yeah that's amazing right so as, a, as an agency we work a lot in the retail space right and you're right one of the biggest challenges every retailer has is returns okay wrong size you know the pro, the, the size guide wasn't wasn't accurate or the right or the size guide is too too generic mm -hmm. so now there is a tool that is custom basically to each individual because everybody's different right we all have different different body types which is the tool that 3d look has, has built so the question is i don't want to put you on the spot is how accurate is the tool like is it 95 no, we, we are we 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 are often asked uh, I mean, if we look at just uh, the, because at the end of the day, we start from getting accurate measurements and then we combine measurements with, uh, with the garment da data uh, that we get from a retailer and then we provide the right recommendation. So we are often more accurate than professional tailors. So, I mean, we participated in some official uh, research uh, like 18 months ago and the results were that uh, uh, we provided 11 key measurements there and like chest, waist, hips, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, for, for all of them, we, we were within one inch of uh, error margin. Uh, so you can, uh, for, for a comparison, professional tailor can do, uh, I, I mean, has uh, usually professional tailors have a bigger error margin because it's human factor. So they, they can, I mean, we were compared against them and we were more accurate. So you're basically wiping out a an entire industry of tailors <laughs> uh, actually in, not exactly we provide them with a tool to uh, be able to get their consumers measured actually re 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 remotely right because these small meter-measure companies etc during pandemic they couldn't even operate and we provided them with the solution so they can operate because their consumers just can sit at home uh, take take two photos and and the next day they can get uh, their uh, gar garments manufactured for them. I mean, mate, like you're you're solving a huge problem, which is which has been around in this industry for a very long time in the in the in the e-com space. So that's that, that's that's amazing. And like typically, like what's like who's a typical client that you would work with? 
Uh, well, I mean, so as I said, we, we are serving two market, two market segments, fashion e-com and uniforms and the typical client. So we go after after mid-market and, and enterprises. So our typical client should have at least 20 million annual revenue and 20 million plus some clients, some of the clients are, I mean, are making billions. And uh, so it should be either direct to consumer fashion e-commerce brand with uh, any types of apparel, we have uh, we, we we do very well with denim, for example. We we do uh, very, I mean, but, but you can pick any any apparel category. Maybe besides uh, just uh, lingerie, because it's really specific. I mean, it's uh, it's just a bit different. And also, we don't do any kids wear. But outside of that, it's it's direct to consumer brand selling apparel uh, to men or women. Um, and uh, just uh, and this brand should also produce this. So it's not like for multi-brand retailers for now, it's for brands that actually are also the producers. Mm-hmm. So so if I'm a, um, uh, let's just say a G-Star, right? G-Star jeans, yeah. you know, it's a global brand. Everyone's aware of the, yeah, yeah. Of, of the brand. I can essentially, as if I was to say the head of e-commerce or the CMO at G, G-Star jeans, I can, What's, how, so how's the integration work? Do I download this app? Like, is it a Magento plugin? Is it a Shopify plugin? Um, what's the technology around it and how does it, how does it work? And the second part of that question is once I've actually got the app on the site or if it's been hard coded into the actual site itself, I want to understand the AI functionality around it, right? So I guess- it's two- uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the uh, first question, I mean, unlike several competitors that, that, that we have, we don't require consumers to, to download any apps. We just, you, as a consumer, you go straight to a product page of your of GSTAR and you uh, see our widget, my unique fit, okay? My unique fit. And you just tap on this widget from your smartphone or, or, or if you are from uh, your PC, you will see a QR code. You just, uh, so you get your, you open the camera on, on your smartphone, you point it to your QR code, then you're, then you, are trans- and then you can continue the, this journey on your smartphone. You take the photos and then uh, you, you just can continue shopping either on, on your smartphone or on your PC. And then actually, I mean, you get the right size. And, uh, and remind me again, what was your second question? So, so now once you've downloaded the app and you've actually used it, I want to understand the AI technology behind it. So does it learn, you know, the more often that Rob goes to that particular website, like let's just say G-Star Jeans, the more that Rob shops, is it does it understand more and learn more? Is that how it works? Uh, of course. So it's based on, uh, yeah, obviously on machine learning and, and, and computer vision. So first of all, we use computer vision to actually identify um, more than 100 data points on on your photos to to basically so we so we get your accurate contour. We understand the type of clothing you are you are wearing, so we understand. Uh, so we, we can measure your body, even if you are dressed, uh, which is one of the strong uh, advantages. And then we use a, a, a kind of a 3D plus machine learning part. So we basically, we get your, first of all, we, we are not trying to measure you just using your photos. We get your avatar. We generate your avatar from, from, from your photos. We basically get, we go from 2D to 3D. And then as soon as we get an avatar, we, we we measure it. So we obtain accurate body measurements from the avatar. And yes, I mean, uh, we all, when we integrate, we also, uh, sometimes we collect 
reference data. Sometimes we also can collect your, your, your purchase data. It depends on our agreements with these clients. So it means that the more you come uh, to, to, to a particular website and actually shop there, the more we learn, yeah. All right, that's awesome. So you've solved a couple of challenges. You've made it pretty easy to use the app. Now I want to actually get into the business side of things, right? So five years, co-founder. I want to, I want to talk through how big is the company? So how many sort of employees does the company have? We have uh, more than 90 and, and, and zero uh, people now uh, distributed around the world. So we have the vast majority of people now are in Ukraine. We have three offices there, Odessa, Kiev, and Lviv. But our headquarters is in New York. In New York, we have uh, four people now, including two vice presidents of the, of the, of the company that we recently hired. Uh, and I, I, I'm going actually to be based there. Probably I'll go back later this year. Also, my co-founder, Whitney, she's located in San Francisco. We have also our chief data officer, Deborah Anna, also in San Francisco. And also my other co-founder, Ivan, who is our chief science officer. He, he's in London. So pretty distributed team. Yeah. And surely that's a challenge, right? How do you run a company that's got global people everywhere, right? Um, efficiently, I guess, without any leakage within, uh, within the efficiency itself. Well, I mean, it's a, uh, so, so, so actually, first of all, yeah, I mean, we are not like a, uh, we are not a, a company that really, I mean, um, likes to, uh, to work uh, remotely. So we always, I mean, offices are a big part of our corporate culture, also all offline, yeah, offline events, happy hours, corporate parties, we love it. So it's important, uh, but obviously we still I mean, uh, we have product development, R&D in Sydney, Ukraine. We have actually like business development sitting in the US. So we definitely, how we, how we manage that people uh, feel that they are part of, of one company and of something bi a, a bigger than they are, is, it's because we, we constantly, we try to regularly bring everyone together. So last month, we brought everyone together to actually to Odessa, had a party. Then we, um, every quarter we do like, like all hands virtual meetings. We also have corporate portal where there is a blog and people, people can exchange their personal updates, etc. So it's a big, a big work, a big effort is put into making sure that all these people, wherever they are based, they feel as if they are the part of the same, same team, same company. And who's responsible for that, um, Vidim, right? Like, I mean, obviously culture is a big one and COVID hasn't helped over the last you know, year or so. So even running the logistics of ensuring that everybody's got their, you know, their buyers up to date and everyone's you know, up to date on the, on, the, on, the, on the platform and then ensuring the parties and just coordinating all that, like who's actually responsible for that piece of, piece of work? Is that yourself or do you share that amongst the team? Well, that's a good question. So obviously, I'm always like an like an evangelist of our corporate culture. I think every CEO should do that. But so we have a strong HR team, and I brought my HR from my previous company. So I mean, my head of HR. So she really is very experienced. So she definitely knows how to do it because she already did it in the previous company. So and uh, sometimes I generate ideas for our next events, next parties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm pretty involved in in hr stuff yeah you just like the organizing of the partying side of things uh yes <laughs> that, that is one of my one of my sides yeah <laughs> how do you go on about finding the right i mean 90 people is a lot of people right how what's your process in finding the right talent 
Uh, well, I mean, if we look for executives, I always uh, do it uh, by, by myself. So I personally tap into my network, ask for recommendations. I do first calls for the first screening interviews. Then the, the, so we have a process around that. We kind of use the, uh, we kind of adjusted a bit the, the process that is described in a very good book. Uh, the a, a method of hiring or the method of hiring A players. Uh, it's a, gr a great book on, on actually um, proper recruiting pro uh, processes for executives. So if it's if it's not executives, then uh, we have a process that where a recruiting team does all the screening, and, and then uh, some of, like, people from my executive team uh, actually do final interviews, and then we 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 kind of ev evaluate all the people from all the sides. So basically, I like I mean I approve every hire, but I personally participate only in executive hires. It's interesting because we use something similar. We use the top grading method. So we've gone through the scaling up process. I don't know if you've ever read the uh, the, the, the book Scaling Up uh, with Vern. Uh, something familiar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's 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 somewhat somewhat uh, somewhat similar. So let's get on a more of a shift gears a bit and get more of a on a on a personal level. You know, starting three companies in the tech space is is not easy, right? And I and I you know I kind of, of resonate a little bit. So, man, like, what drives you? You know, how do you keep doing this and not losing your hair? Because I've lost half of mine already. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Well, I mean, I mean, even when I like started my first small project in university, etc., I treated it as a game. It didn't start like, well, I want to make money and that's it. I will grind. No, it started as a hobby, as a game. Uh, and then after my actually some first job and also I, I was still studying at, at, the, at the university and it's still for me it's a partly it's it partially it's a game obviously it's a kind of uh, it's the most interesting game in the world I, I would say and obviously sometimes it's not uh, exciting because you need to deal with some like uh, annoying stuff uh, but first of all, yeah, it's uh, still the, ma the major part of it is exciting because I feel that uh, a, a lot of things I do, they depend on uh, my decisions and uh, it's like it's in, in a game, you, if you do it right or you do it wrong, then you, you, you have totally different path in, fr in front of you. Also that I can choose who I work with. It's a great opportunity because it's... Uh, it's also encouraging, and uh, yeah, I obviously have big, big goals. So I think that these things definitely help. And, and, and just on that note, I mean, do you find that your daily routine contributed contributes to your motivation and just how you how you operate on a on a daily basis? Yeah, I, I mean, routine is very important. I think so. I uh, have some routine that I actually uh, implemented. For example, every I feel that every weekday I do sports in the in the in the morning so it's either i mean i regularly like change like i have like a, for example like like seven years ago i wanted to master big tennis i started to play tennis and now i still play tennis but so two years ago i decided that they also want to try thai boxing and i started to actually so i do both now every day like on monday it's uh, boxing tuesday's tennis wednesday's boxing and it's like every day and this routine, this kind of routine, help, it helped me, help me uh, it helps me a lot. Also in the every evening I walk, uh, I'm walking with my dog in, in a park, etc. So it, it, yeah, a routine I think is very important for an entrepreneur, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think the reason the reason I asked this question, I know it was a little bit left field, but there's been so many studies and so many entrepreneurs that I've spoken to and even certain individuals as CEOs or in senior levels, you know, there is direct correlation between their mental health, their personal health and their business, right? If you can't get your mental state right and your physical um, state right, generally there is a negative impact as a bit of a flow on effect. Right. So and I, and I find a lot of, you know, tech entrepreneurs and a lot of entrepreneurs that I speak to, they religiously every day they have a routine, whether it's exercise, okay. meditation, whether they read books, whatever it may be. There's always a routine in place, which essentially gets them through, number one, the day and two, through the chaos that we all live through. Right. On a on a yeah. on a daily basis. So I was just yeah, I was curious to ask that question because I see a trend in a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm which is that, that daily, daily routine. Um, and what's on the horizon for you, right? And, and, and 3D Look, I mean, are you looking to exit again? Obviously you don't have to disclose if you are, but uh, mm -hmm. are you still you know, working on product development? What's, what, what does the future look like? Uh, well, obviously uh, for us, it's important. I mean, when I, when I started the company, uh, the biggest uh, kind of aspiration for me was uh, the, basically the, the dream was to see that hundreds of millions of people are, are, are taking photos, you know, the, to get the right size of anything or just to get any, like stuff personalized for, for them it, it, it would be a great it would be great to see that if uh, on this way on this path uh look will become a part of a build of a bigger company so will be acquired and this company will, will help us to get there even faster i'll be happy or we can do it uh, we can try to do it by our, our by ourselves and grow into a very big company and an IPO, etc. So I don't know yet. Is there is no so the goal here is to get it massively adopted, rather than uh, I don't have a clear goal that to sell the company this year, for example. Is a goal to IPO? I know you just mentioned uh, an IPO there. Um, is a goal you know of of IPO and potentially going through the? It could be. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it could be this, or it could be that for for example. Like a, a very large tech co a, a company can offer us a lot of resources to get to where we want uh, a f a faster, much faster. And then obviously I will also seriously consider this opportunity. Yeah, we obviously had a lot of interest. Uh, um, I mean, uh, like this year, last year, but it's still it's too early for now. Yeah. So you haven't necessarily gone through like the valuation process to understand, you know, where it's currently valued at in the marketplace and and, and all that just yet. How competitive is the space? I mean, I, frankly, I don't know much about it. Is there a lot of competitors out there? When, when we started, there were like, uh, so before us, lots of people tried it, but technology was not there yet. Consumers were not ready. Retailers were not ready to innovate and uh, invest in personalization. All these things didn't, uh, like they uh, actually prevented a lot of companies from succeeding. They burned hundreds of millions of dollars, like starting from 2008, 2009, et cetera. So then, when we started, there was like a, then it's after us, the, like the next wave started. And now it's more and more companies are entering this space because at least it's easier for them. They see a free look, they get kind of a playbook and they can at least um, copy some of the things, but obviously not, not technology, it's still very complex. Uh, so yeah, it's getting more um, harder, harder, but still uh, we are ahead as of today because we managed to do some things. We just started, I think, in, in, in the right time. We raised uh, quite a lot of money so we could move faster. And also, I have a great and very diverse founding team of 
of so we are like four people and with totally different backgrounds education experience etc so we really complement each other mm-hmm. which is very important right i mean if you're if you've got yeah. people or four people that are very much the same you guys don't complement each other and if anything oh. you probably end up clashing a lot <laughs> of course yeah yeah so it sounds as though that's the one of the secrets um within your recipe right is, is working with a diverse yeah. team of founders who complement each other rather and compete against each other oh yeah yeah and you have you guys all got different very specific roles within the business yeah, yeah of course i don't to be honest i don't I, I i i don't understand how it works when i sometimes see companies with founders without clear roles I can understand it on the very we're doing very early days, but on later stages I just I just don't understand how how, how it works and I cannot remember a very successful companies with this kind of um, um, like with this kind of model. But we did it we since the very beginning we had clear roles. Obvi- but obviously, of course, we were wearing multiple hats. And now we are expanding our our leadership team. So we hired VP sales, VP customer success, both in New York. Recently, we hired chief data officer, et cetera, et cetera. So we are getting like uh, the team, the executive team is growing. And it means that fa- founders also uh, get like more specific scope uh, of, uh, of what they do. But uh, in, the, in the beginning, for example, Whitney, my co-founder for San Francisco, she was, a, and she's, she still is chief, chief strategy officer, but it means that she just uh, as a, Basically, as a coach who also plays with with a team, she can be everywhere and and help uh, on on I mean in every area of the business, maybe except technology. So with partnerships, strategic clients, uh, key hires, etc., etc., etc. So uh, I've been responsible for fundraising. I'm responsible for key hires and for establishing like a strategy, a mission, and getting and making sure everyone is aligned around it. Alex, chief product officer. So he was uh, always responsible like for b- building a product on top of technology and Ivan was responsible for technology. Yeah. So, okay. So interesting point, right? Around founders, you know, I speak again, you know, I've spoken to a number of entrepreneurs and a number of people in the, in the tech space. And typically the, the, the comments that are get thrown around and the feedback that I given that is given is a founder led business can only go so far. Right. And there is typically two founders, one with a big ego and one without a very big ego, one that can admit vulnerability. <laughs> the ones with the big ego um, are the ones that, that think they can drive this business to, you know, whether it's an IPO or, you know, to, to, towards a big, a big acquisition. Um, and eight out of 10, they fail, right? Because the reality is they don't know how to get it to that. They're a founder and that's what they do, right? They, they, they find companies and they're very good visionaries. They're not necessarily a, a you know a CEO or, or or someone that's you know um, very I guess strategic in building and building and selling businesses. Um, the other side, which is the non-ego founder who gets the business to a certain level and then predicts when that level is 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 almost you know when it's time to start hiring the right C-suite or putting in a level of leadership a leadership team. Which sounds as though you guys are sort of at at the moment. The biggest difference is with you is a lot of the founders are already sit within the leadership table which i'm not saying is a, is, is 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 a wrong thing but what's your what's your experience i guess being a, around this you know have you had founders in the past who have you know their ego has got in the way and they've you know tried to take the business to a certain level but then failed miserably or have you not necessarily had that experience well i, I mean i started my first company just uh, i mean just by myself i was a sole founder 
The second company, I was also a sole founder, but I had uh, an early kind of uh, partner whom I, uh, I sold a minority stake to, to, to him. So he helped me to, to build a, f a financial uh, processes and financial team. Uh, but actually, I, I don't consider him being a founder. So I was still like a sole founder. And at three, at three look, I used totally different paradigm because I understood that when you are just the only founder, I see more disadvantages than advantage because everything was on me. And if it's a tech co company, I needed people actually with a really deep tech expertise because I don't have one. I have like always like business expertise, right? And at, that, at those companies, I had to hire these people. But I strongly believe that in a tech company, in your main technical leadership, someone ha has to be a co-founder or at least has some meaningful she, like stock in a company because otherwise just uh, these people they are i mean they they are kind of commitment it has a limit and then but in a tech a company if uh, if they architect the platform the system in the wrong way or they or they hide some problems or they or etc etc it, it can actually crush the company i mean it it it, it, it can destroy it. So, so so that's why I, so in this company, we started it together with Alex. He handled all product technical parts. I, 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 I handled hiring business and uh, fundraising. Then uh, Ivan joined us and he was a, he's a deep scientist. So he took over like a R&D and technology part. So Alex fo focused on the product. And then we, uh, Whitney joined us and, we, and Whitney actually helped us with, uh, she, she actually, she took over new client relationships and also like the kind of PR marketing temporarily. And uh, that's it. I mean, and yes, so we are now four, four people and I'm very happy because we can just, uh, we have like an informal board because we have also a formal board with my, uh, with the VCs. Yeah, but an informal board, we can just sit together and talk and bring our different perspectives to the table. And obviously we had some ego e issues with, uh, with at least one of my co-founders, because yeah, when uh, he was responsible for the half of the company for almost for a lot of things, and then I started to recruit other executives and take some stuff from him and, the, and allocating this stuff to these new executives, he was uh, actually fr fr frustrated. He he felt that I'm not uh, that, that, that he's underestimated. He felt some threat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I tried. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time on the on the conversations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and uh, uh, we, we solved it. But yeah, I have this experience as well. So with, with that, as a bit of a segue, I guess is like, what would be your biggest, I guess, three pieces of advice for anyone either entering the tech space as an entrepreneur, anyone that's currently in the space and looking to scale, or anyone that's already scaled a, a tech business but doesn't necessarily know what to do next. So we'll start with uh, yeah. so, to get into the space. <laughs> so my advice to anyone who wants to get into exactly this space? Well, no, just to get into the tech space in general. Uh, okay. It's a very okay. crowded <laughs> space, right? It doesn't matter what the yeah. technology is. I think technology in general is very, very crowded. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, 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 I would tell you um, that, first of all, the, one of the common mistakes is that people are afraid to share their idea with the network they feel they feel that the idea can be stolen which is uh, bullshit uh, and the idea is nothing as we all understand 
and uh, especially in tech industry, execution matters. I think everywhere execution matters, but especially here. So my always my advice is to go and talk about your idea to anyone in the network, and I, I ideally actually to share it from people with to share it with people with different backgrounds, with different actually from different um, kind of social groups, yeah, to, to, to age, gender, et cetera, groups, to, to listen to what they say. So first advice is, I mean, to, don't be afraid to share your idea. Second advice is do not wait for a idea of your life because a lot of people do this mistake as well. They feel, oh, no, 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 no it's not the time. No, 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 I, I will wait for my billion idea. Uh, Billion, billion, billion dollars a year, but but it's, it's it doesn't happen because all these billion dollar companies that we see they are built on pretty I would say just uh, very clear ideas sometimes even boring but uh, execution it that's what what made them what made them great so a number three advice is probably obviously education matters books matter uh, obviously but only on the side in parallel. It's always about practice. It's always important just to try and try and fail, try and fail, try and fail, but then to understand, oh, okay, that's what I like to do. That, that, that's what I don't like to do. There, that's where I can bring value. And then to, and then something will start happening. And also let's not forget about this 10,000 hours rule or, or maybe like 10 years rule that, that yes, we have to spend a meaningful amount of time in order to be successful in anything. I love it, man. It's very, very good advice. Very, very good advice. But then, man, just to, to finish off, like, where do we find you? Where are you most, most active? Which social platforms? Ah, of course. So I'm always active. I mean, I mean, on LinkedIn, obviously, but Facebook as well. But uh, but LinkedIn, I think I'm, I'm most active there. So definitely, uh, I mean, uh, just, I mean, any, anyone who wants to just ask me for advice, et cetera, can just reach out there. Awesome, and we'll share the link in the in the in the oh, of course as well. Fadim, thank you very much for taking the time. What time is it over there at the moment? You're in New York still at the moment, right? No, no, no. Oh, sorry, I mean, in Ukraine. No, it's around the afternoon, so it's okay. uh, I mean, good Tuesday morning. Yeah. So it's not that bad. Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much for jumping on the show. We'll share the details for below for our listeners. Um, yeah, and look, one day, hopefully, if you come to Australia, I look forward to meeting you in person. Or if I come to the Ukraine, who knows? <laughs> yeah, especially uh, Australia is on my bucket list. I want to come there, definitely, uh, just uh, as a tourist, first of all. So, yes, we'll definitely meet. <laughs> hopefully, one day, we'll be able to travel again. It's a start. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Robert.